You're listening to the Westchester Podcast, an official podcast of the New York City Church of Christ. Good morning, Westchester. Thank you so much, Sam, for the encouragement. Uh, it's great to be here together with you guys this morning. This is my first time here with the Westchester region. It's been a blast here. And, uh, you know, I got a picture of my family to throw up there um, on the screen. Sam mentioned uh, my wife, Chelsea. So there's us at a recent uh, fall pumpkin picking uh, trip together, which is a great thing to do this We got my wife, Chelsea, and then those are my two boys right there, Bradley and Tyler, and they're keeping us busy and young. Bradley's uh, two and a half years old. Uh, Tyler is just over a year, so they're really close in age, and we're having a blast with them. You know, we, uh, we, we love our family and, and uh, times that we get to have together, and what's so cool is Chelsea and her family grew up really close with the Browns, and so being here in Westchester is cool to be here with the Browns, Jim and Teresa as Chelsea and her parents grew up, and Teresa was over the other day, and it was just a joy to come home. I know that Teresa was playing with my two boys together there, and uh, we have a great time with you guys and are so glad about that. Also, a special relationship I have in here is your boy TJ, who I know is not here this morning, uh, but TJ, Parisi, and I are very close friends. We were roommates together for a little while, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I got lots of stories that he probably wouldn't want me to tell up here. Uh, but, you know, my, my younger son, Tyler, his middle name is John, and so his initials are TJ, which wasn't totally on purpose, but in a way got to be a shout-out to TJ. And, and then I think God just kind of worked with it as, as Tyler goes and has red hair. So it, it's just kind of some prophecy there that uh, my little boy Tyler's growing up with a nice orange head just like TJ. And uh, that's a special relationship uh, that I get to have here in Westchester as well. You know, as Sam mentioned... Uh, Chelsea and I work with the New York City Campus Ministry, which is a joy. And uh, Right now, 150 in our campus ministry across our 10 different regions of the New York City Church. And from those 150 disciples, so far this year, we've seen 41 souls added to God's kingdom this year. Amen for that. You know, it's been exciting as we've seen even three people recently here in the Westchester region make Jesus Lord in the campus ministry, and it's exciting to see what God is doing here. So please keep praying for the campus ministry here and across the whole New York City church. You know, I've heard that your theme for the month is boldness. Is that true? Boldness. You know, Derek did a great job with the communion about boldness and that theme, and I'm excited to talk this morning about living boldly. You know, I think the uh, campus ministry wouldn't see the victories that we've seen without boldness. It takes boldness to see God do great things. No, thanks, bro. So the title of my sermon this morning is The Boldness to Move On. The Boldness to Move On. You can open up in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. And my question for you this morning is, do you want God to do something great through you? Do you want to see God do something amazing in your life? I hope the answer is yes. You know, and I want to tell you that God is ready to use you. Not later, but now. And not for something ordinary, but for something extraordinary. And so this morning, I hope that despite whatever obstacles are holding you back, that you'll listen to God calling you not to sit still 
or stay stuck, but to have the boldness to move on and see Him do something great through you. You know, if you're a new disciple, or if you're stuck, or if you've been struggling in your faith, then your vision should be to get active, to get strong, to grow. If you're mature and you feel like I'm in a place where I'm on fire for God right now, then I would encourage you to dream to go deeper, to take it higher, because what's so exciting is with God, there really is no cap for where we can go and what we could do for God. And then whether you're young or old in the faith, one victory that all of us should always be striving towards is bringing other people to Jesus. To be on the, on the mission and having victories on the mission field. And so all of that, whether you're young or old, is going to take boldness. It's going to take bold living. You know, I've seen in my own life and in other people's lives that those who are critical, comfortable, complacent, cowardly, complainers or couch potatoes don't do great things for God. You know, those who live boldly and keep their faith moving, those are the people that God uses. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Am I in a room of people who want to be righteous this morning? No, then, then we've got to be a room of people who want to be bold as a lion. And you know, I wrote this sermon for this morning in the, in the anticipation and the assumption that I'm in a room of people who didn't drive all the way here this morning to leave the same. Who didn't drive all the way here this morning to, to go into another week of fleeing when no one pursues. But who came here to leave here this morning ready to live boldly for God. Ready to go and see victories and to do great things despite whatever's standing in the way of that happening. You know, I hope you've turned to Exodus 13. In this chapter, and in, in chapter 14, in Exodus 13 and 14, we find that God has just saved Israel, His people, from 400 years of slavery in Egypt, and they are now traveling towards an incredible promised land. On their way to that promised land, they face obstacles that God calls them to boldly move on from and to boldly move on to the victory. So let's start here in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. You guys with me this morning? We're going to jump around a bit here, so stay with me. Exodus 13, verse 17 and 18. It says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, If they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Jump to verse 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. We'll keep reading in a minute here, but... God has led His people out of Egypt. He's going before them as a cloud by day, a fire by night. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh changes his mind. And Pharaoh's like, what did I do? Why did I let them go? And he sends his army out after them to go and get the Israelites back. Let's look at chapter uh, 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt 
that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And then that's exactly what happens. Moses stretches out his hands and raises his staff and the sea parts. And the Israelites pass through the sea on dry ground. The Egyptians come after them through the sea. And then right as soon as the Israelites were through to safety on the other side, we all know God collapses the waters and destroys the Egyptians. Let's read in verse 29 to 31 the end of the story. It says, But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. I mean, isn't this an inspiring story of God displaying His power to His people? You know, God, God here, He was with them. And despite serious obstacles, God brought about a great victory for His people. And what I want to encourage you with this morning is that this is not just their story. This is your story. This isn't just a story for them. This is a story for us. This is a story for you. And this might be something you've studied out before, but there's such cool parallels here with their story and with our story as disciples of Jesus. You know, just like they were in slavery to the Egyptians, we were in slavery to sin. And just like to get rid of, uh, to get out of Egypt, the firstborn son of Egypt had to die and an unblemished lamb had to be sacrificed. So too the firstborn son of God, who was Jesus, an unblemished lamb had to be sacrificed. The lamb's blood needed to be wiped on the wooden doorpost in Egypt. For us, Jesus' blood needed to be wiped on the wood of the cross. But even then it wasn't done with. They're, they're fleeing from the Egyptians and then the Egyptians come out after them. And so, too, we, we need to flee from what we were in slavery to. We need to flee from our sin. We need to repent of our sin, run away from it, get away from our sin. But even then, it's not dealt with and it's not destroyed yet. They were running from the Egyptians, but it wasn't until the waters collapsed and finally destroyed the Egyptians that it was dealt with. And so, too, for us, we repent and then we are baptized into Christ. And in the water, God destroys what we were in slavery to, our sin. This isn't just their story. This is our story. This is your story. This is a story saying that God has saved you and that God wants to use you. God wants to bring you to victory. God wants to use you to build His kingdom, to live with victory, to go make disciples, to do something great for Him. And God is calling you and calling us this morning to have the boldness to move on from the obstacles and move on to the victory. Those are my two points for us this morning. The boldness to move on from the obstacles 
and the boldness to move on to the victory. Let's talk for a few minutes about the boldness to move on from the obstacles. Are you guys still with me? You know, to see great things happen, often we have to overcome obstacles that stand in the way. And overcoming those obstacles often takes boldness. You know, the Israelites, they had a victory in mind. Let's get to freedom. Let's get to the promised land. They had a victory in mind, but they also had an elite, wealthy, and powerful army coming after them. That's what was coming after them. And then before them wasn't just open space, it was a sea. Not a good situation to walk into. So go forward, see, go back, army. And what you can imagine is a very, very real game of would you rather broke out amongst the Israelites. Bro, would you rather go back and be decapitated or go forward and drown? Which is it going to be here? Not a good situation. You know, they were sitting there thinking that the obstacles had the upper hand. But they were soon to find out that it was their God who was greater. You know, God is greater than the obstacles. I can remember a particularly stupid night around the age of 13, amongst many other nights like this, where some friends and I, you know, I grew up in a farm town and you got to get creative with having fun and figuring out stuff to do. So I grew up in a small farm town and around 13 or so, some friends of I and I, three or four of us, we went out late one night and we're walking along the road just trying to look for something to do. And so in our, in our youthful folly, we started to collect garbage cans from the end of people's driveways. And so we each kind of had one garbage can in each hand dragging them. And we had a plan with these garbage cans. Let's find a turn and then let's set these garbage cans up as a barrier so the next car to come around this turn smashes through these things. And so we found a turn. We lined these garbage cans up. This is to my shame. And then we went and hit about 10 feet into the woods, lied down there, waiting for a car to come. And soon enough, we hear a pickup truck coming. And it's driving. We're all excited to see it smash through these garbage cans, not thinking about the consequences of how this could turn out. And so the truck comes around the corner, just plows through these garbage cans like they were nothing, just smashes through them. And we're like, oh, that was awesome. And then unexpectedly, this guy slams on his brakes. And then all of a sudden, our hearts stop. His door opens. He gets out. And we're like, what's happening? And this guy starts yelling and cursing. Who's out there? Who set these out? I know you're out there. And so all of a sudden, we're now in a panic. We get up and just start hauling into the woods, running. I'm sweating, shaking. We, we get, you know, a few hundred yards into the woods, find a dead tree to lay behind. And we're just laying there. This guy's walking into the woods after us, yelling, looking for us. My phone starts ringing. All of my friends are like, dude, shut your phone off. And I'm quick, just trying to shut it down. Scared to death. This guy's yelling. We're, we're laying there like, I, I might have been praying, just, God, please, don't let us die. And then finally the guy, you know, he said what he had to say, and then he gave up, went back to his truck, drove off, and needless to say, we never did that again. You know, we, we went home that night scared and, and realizing that that was pretty stupid. You know, this guy, we set up an obstacle, and he plowed through it like it was nothing. And then he went and turned us into the people that were on the defense running. And what we got to see is that God, God is that truck. That we've got obstacles in our lives, but God has the power to just plow right through them and turn this big thing that we were so afraid of into the thing that's afraid. And that these obstacles in your life are really nothing compared to God. That God can send them running. That no matter how stacked against you, unexpected, around the corner, God can deal with it. God can destroy it and send it running. 
Boldness does not mean that there is no obstacle or nothing that you're afraid of. The definition of boldness is not hesitating or fearful in the face of actual or possible danger. So, in fact, something is not bold unless there was some fear or discomfort that needed to be overcome to accomplish it. An obstacle has to be there for boldness to be there. And so, so boldness doesn't mean there's no obstacle. It means that we're going to go with God and face the obstacle anyway. So now is the time for you to have boldness, the courage to move on from whatever is holding you back or keeping you stuck from moving on to victory. Maybe it's obstacles behind you, like they had the Egyptians coming behind them. What are some obstacles that could be behind us? Now, we could look back at past mistakes or failure as an obstacle. We tried to do something before and it didn't go well or we failed or we made a mistake and that could keep us from wanting to put ourselves out there again. Maybe from your past, it's shame or guilt. You know, we've all got sin in our past and sometimes Satan can use that stuff to tell us, well, because of what you did, God doesn't want to use you. Or because of this, God can't use you or or won't use you. And so shame or guilt from our past can be an obstacle behind us. Maybe it's, it's hurts that you've experienced. Maybe it's things that people have said to you or said about you or things you've even said or thought about yourself in the past. You know, we've got obstacles behind us, but we've got a God that is greater. They had the Egyptians behind them, and I love what it said at the end of this. It said, Israel looked back and saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. God dealt with the obstacle that was behind them. And so, too, God has dealt with the obstacles behind us. He's dealt with your mistakes. He's dealt with your guilt. He's dealt with your failures. We've got to learn from it all. We've got to be humble from it all. But we don't need to live controlled by it all. We don't need to live controlled by the obstacles behind us because God has dealt with them. Maybe it's obstacles before you like they had to see. There's something you want to do for God, but then there's fear or there's doubt that's keeping you from acting. Right? You're just afraid to do it or you're doubting it's going to go well. That could keep us from moving forward. Maybe it's the effort or the work that it's going to take to do it, right? It's like, man, I want to do this, but we just don't have the motivation or we don't want to put in the effort. Maybe we've got just kind of before us this future fantasy obstacle where I want to do this thing for God, but we're just waiting until the stars are aligned. It's like, well, one of these days I'll get around to this. One of these days I'll start trying to be in a Bible study again. One of these days I'll start to do this again. And we're like, when this happens, once... My kids are in a different, once my life is in, and we got these future fantasies of, I want to do this, but we're waiting until things are worked out. And so that could be an obstacle that's before us as well. You know, it says that the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. And so whatever obstacles lie before you, God can split them in two and make a way through for us. God is greater than the obstacles before you. And lastly, there could be obstacles within you. You know, they started to say here, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They had their own inner conflict going on of spiritual thinking and worldly thinking, spiritual ambition and worldly ambition. You know, God had called them to something. And now that it was getting tough, they were thinking maybe we should have stayed where at least our lives weren't on the line, where at least we had food and we had a job and we had different stuff. They wanted to stay comfortable instead of doing what God was calling them to do. And so we can have obstacles within us that keep us from really obeying God and going to do something great for Him. 
Maybe it's distraction. You're just focused on so many different things that you're not even thinking about what can I do for God. Maybe it's sin that you've been wrestling with and dealing with, honestly, for just too long. And there's sin in your life that just needs to be repented of and dealt with and not be a thing in your life anymore. Maybe it's criticalness. Maybe something happened or there's been an experience that you've had. And so criticalness, maybe towards the church or or even maybe towards God, is keeping you from wanting to go and do something great for God. And I would ask you to ask yourself, are you more focused on critical thoughts or biblical thoughts? We need to be more biblical than we are critical. Maybe an obstacle within you is misplaced passion. And I think this could be a big one, is that when we really look at what we're excited about, it's really not about God and about His kingdom. And we've got to look at our lives and ask, what excites you the most? You know, what do you wake up really eager to do and excited to do? Is it building God's kingdom or is it building your kingdom? No, honestly, would you rather be racing in a Mercedes or faithfully running the race of faith? Which would you rather do? No, do you wake up more worried about your connection with God or your Wi-Fi connection? About what's going on in your news feed or really feeding yourself from the Word of God? When you wake up, what is your heart more concerned about? We've got to have our passion placed in the right place. It's got to be about God and it's got to be about His kingdom. I think we get too caught up in things of this world. We've got to have our hearts and our minds more caught up in things of heaven. Believing that you were made for more and that God has called you for something bigger and something better. You know, there's obstacles before you, behind you, and within you. But there's also a great and amazing God that's before you, behind you, and within you. And God is greater than those obstacles. You know, the verses here, they tell us that God goes before you. God, God goes before you as a cloud by day and a fire by night. God goes before you and gives you protection, strength, energy, power, guidance, and security. God goes before you, but God also gets behind you. In verse 19, it said that the pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. And so when you decide to move forward by faith, God gets behind you. God's got your back to push you, to motivate you, to support you, to catch you. You can trust God because He is behind you. And we all know Jesus promised, I will be with you always, and that we have the Spirit of God within us. So you've got God before you, behind you, and within you as well. So what obstacle is a time for you to move on from? What obstacle is a time for you to have the boldness to move on from? Will you let God deal with it this morning? God is behind you, before you, and within you. Believe that and move forward with that. And if you do, then you'll have the boldness to move on from the obstacles and to move on to the victory. And that's my second point. Boldness to move on to the victory. You guys still with me? As you deal with your obstacles, God, God deals with the obstacles. It's not so we could just sit there and go, oh, this is great. I don't have any obstacles anymore. God doesn't deal with this stuff so that we could sit there. He deals with it so we could go do something great. You know, once God removes the obstacles, it's time to intentionally, faithfully, proactively move on towards victory. To take action forward. The Bible does not say to sit with the Spirit. It says keep in step with the Spirit. You know, God is moving and He wants us to move with Him. The Israelites didn't get this right away. In verse 10, it says they cry out to God. So they're they're praying. And that's a good thing to do is to pray. 
But they're staying still and they're crying out to God. They're praying. In verse 14, they're told something that sounds great. Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And that sounds great, but only half of that was true. The Lord will fight for you, but don't be still. God says in verse 15, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hands so that the Israelites can go. So God is saying, look, don't just sit there. He's got a lot of verbs here. Tell, move, raise, stretch, go. God is saying, be bold, take action. I will fight for you. I'm with you. So go fight. Move forward. I am with you. This morning, God is calling you to move on to the victory. And we've got to know that it's not just going to magically fall into your lap. You know, God is not a genie or a birthday candle that we make a wish to and then carry on as usual and expect things to be different. That's not God. You know, real discipleship is asking a great God to walk with you and fight for you as you go and walk with Him. It's calling God into your life. That's your living. The Israelites wanted victory, but they didn't want to fight for it. Their plan was to pray, do nothing, and expect something. In chapter 13, verse 18, it says that they left Egypt armed for battle. But it also says that God had to take them a longer way because He knew that if He took the shorter way, they weren't willing to fight and they would have turned and ran if He had gone that way. So they were armed for battle, but not willing to fight. They dressed the part, but aren't planning to play the part. They were all talk, no walk. And as disciples, I think we could do the same thing sometimes. You know, we can want character change. Victory over a sin, to persevere through a hardship, to help someone become a disciple. But do you say it, pray it, but not act like it? We need to act like what we're praying for. Now, often we want victory, but we don't want to be vigorous. We want glory without the guts, blessings without the battle, celebration without the sweat, but it does not work that way. Some of the ways that I could see this in my life or other people's lives is sometimes a lame, honestly, a lame effort when facing temptation or hardship. I think sometimes we go through something and we would say we're fighting, but are we really? You know, we look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, the fullness of God, about to go through something really difficult. And this guy pulls some of his close friends in there with him. He's vulnerable with them. And then he prays for three hours. And we've got to ask ourselves as we're going through a hard time in life, have I done that? Have I vulnerably pulled multiple other brothers and sisters in my life? Have I at least prayed for three hours about this thing that I'm fighting with? Sometimes we say, man, I'm fighting, I'm in there, but we're only praying one or two sentences about it. You know, maybe we've talked to one person about it, but it wasn't that deep of a conversation. We're having short conversations and fellowship, but not sitting down during the week and really getting people to help us in our life. You know, how's it going facing temptation and facing hardship and really fighting for it? We can't just say we're fighting, we've really got to fight. You know, sometimes it's praying... Maybe for relationships, you don't feel close to people. And so you're praying, man, I just don't feel close to people. But instead of really digging in there, you start showing up less to meetings of the body. 
praying for relationships, but then aren't at midweek. Praying for relationships, but then aren't calling people. You're waiting for people to call you. Now, we've got to pray for relationships and then go be relationship builders. Maybe you're praying for growth. Man, I want to be, I want to be growing spiritually. I want to be where I was when I was younger spiritually. I want to grow. But then you're not spending good time every morning with God and really, really digging into the Word and to prayer to grow. Or maybe you want to grow, but you're not going after discipling. You're not going after having people in your life that are helping you to grow. You know, it shouldn't take boldness, but a lot of times it takes boldness to both give and to get discipling in our life. You know, it takes boldness and it shouldn't, but it does to to get discipling, to have the courage to get open with somebody about what's going on and ask them to help you. Ask them, hey, what do you think would help me to grow? What do you see in me that I could work on, that I can grow in? What helps you? It takes boldness to ask that. We need to have that. It takes boldness to give discipling, to, to go to a brother or sister and say, bro, can we talk about something that I see going on in your life? And we've got to do those things if we want to grow spiritually, but they take boldness. You know, maybe it's praying to make disciples, but then not putting in the, the effort to share your faith and to maybe pray for those people that you meet. And I think we can really want to make disciples, but then we've got to have the action there following it up. You know, this is the way that God works with us as we pray and then we act. I love in Acts chapter 4, verse 29 to 31. The New Testament church is facing a lot of persecution. They've just been arrested, commanded and threatened not to talk about Jesus anymore. And so what do they do? They go and they pray together. And they, they pray in Acts 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This reflects Exodus a lot. Stretch out your hands. God, we want to go be bold. We want to speak boldly and face this obstacle of being threatened and commanded not to speak about you anymore. So, God, stretch out your hand and help us to speak boldly. In verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They prayed to be bold and then they went out and spoke boldly, believing that God was with them. That's the way that God works. You know, when was the last time that you thought of a a vision of something you wanted to see God do that was going to take boldness? And you prayed a bold prayer about it. And then after you prayed... You believed the Spirit was with you, and then you went out and acted in faith boldly on that prayer. That's what God is calling us to do, to ask and act, faith and deeds, to have those things working together. And when you have them together, now you're ready to see God's power really at work in your life. And I do want to say that prayer is vital. Apart from God, we can do nothing. And so if we're not, I'm not saying to act and not ask, it's both. We've got to pray and then we've got to act. We've got to be men and women of prayer. We've got to pray bold prayers. That's where the battle begins. But then after you pray, move on from that prayer, acting like God is with you, answering that prayer, walking with you and fighting for you. You know, this morning, God wants to know if you're going to have a talk the talk or a walk the walk discipleship. Are you going to leave here with a fight or flight faith? And I believe God is looking to see who is really in the fight. He's looking for you to endure hardship, 
to dig into the Word, to wrestle in prayer, to be on the mission, to love others as yourself, to live with integrity. That's what God is looking for in you. And so what should we do? We should live a life that honors God. We should strive every day to be the best disciple of Jesus that we could possibly be. That God is calling you every day, be the best disciple of Jesus that you can be. He's calling you to have the boldness to move on from the obstacles and move on to the victory. You know, I want to share that I've, I've seen God do incredible things when I've decided to look at Him more than the obstacles and to move on boldly to the victory over and over again. This is just the way God works and what he, it's what He does. When we have the faith to pray boldly and then to act boldly, believing He's with us, God works. God moves. You know, I'll start just by sharing a story here, my own conversion story briefly. You know, I became a disciple nine years ago this upcoming December as a sophomore in college. And so I grew up with two childhood best friends, John Rodeo and Bobby Ritter. And John Rodeo went off to Boston College for college. I stayed in New Jersey for community college. John was reached out to his freshman year. He became a disciple. His girlfriend, Tiffany, was re- uh, he invited her with him. She studied the Bible, became a disciple as well. And then a year later, John was home for Thanksgiving break and decided that he was going to try to help me become a disciple. And there were some obstacles there. I was at this time living more worldly than any other point in my life. And he only had three days that he was home to talk to me. It would have been very easy for him to think, now's not the time. I'll wait till summer break. I'll wait until Rob's maybe a little more religious. I'll wait until, no, he said, you know what? I got three days. God can do this. And so that first night he was home, we hung out together and he went for it with me. We studied the Bible for hours and I wanted to get baptized that night. We got together the next day, studied a few more hours the next day, finished going through the rest of our first principle studies. That week, he set me up with an evangelist in New Jersey, Stanley Dumernay, and I was baptized that Friday night. All within one week, he faced an obstacle and God blessed his boldness. So then there I am as a baby Christian in New Jersey at community college. I'm not a kingdom kid. I have no idea what I'm doing. There's no Bible talk at my school. I lived an hour from where the church met. Our ministry was about 10 disciples at the time. Where they had Devo was almost an hour and a half from where I lived. I didn't know how to lead, but I knew that God was with me and that God had called me to do something great for him. And so I made a prayer list of things I wanted to see God do, and I prayed through it every day. I got advice and immediately went to work. God's going to do something here. I was scared. I was nervous. I was incredibly insecure, and I was a total noob at doing this. But God blessed it. You know, I had my first Bible study with my brother that week before I had even gotten baptized, and Two months later, after I was baptized, he was baptized as well. I reached out to a friend of mine named Brian. He studied the Bible and became a disciple within those first few months. Two months after I became a Christian, I started a Bible talk at my college. No idea what I was doing. I got help from Stanley, and I just started doing it. I would try to share my faith, and and a couple people came out. And before I'd become a disciple, I was part, uh, loosely part of one of the religious campus groups in our varsity at uh, CCM, and so I decided, obviously, I wasn't going to be part of that anymore, and so early on in the semester, I went to go to one of their first meetings at the beginning and just tell the leader, hey, just so you know, I'm not going to be part of InterVarsity anymore. I showed up to their first meeting, and no one was there. No one else showed up, and so I was like, well, this was easy. 
And I thought, you know, I'll just write a note. And so I wrote, hey, it's Rob. I'll no longer uh, be part of InterVarsity, but I will be doing my own Bible talk in the Student Center Thursdays at 1 if any of you would like to come check it out. I leave the room. I left the note on the table. Another kid walks in to try to check out InterVarsity. No one was there, but my note was there. This guy, Vince, came to Bible talk. He was the first guy on campus I studied the Bible with, and he became a disciple. He's now a brother in New Jersey, just had his first daughter. What an obstacle to overcome. It was so cool. You know, I started reaching out to friends from my youth group. This girl, Jamie, came out to church from my youth group, and she became a disciple. And then I reached out to this girl, Leah, and she came out to church. She became a disciple, and then her younger sister, Hannah, became a disciple. Soon afterwards, their mom studied the Bible and was baptized as well. I reached out to one of uh, the, the girls in the church. I grew up uh, going to church with Eileen. She came to church. She studied the Bible. She became a disciple. And then her dad came, who was my Sunday school teacher growing up. He became a disciple, is now my mechanic as well. And then his dad, 85-year-old, last year became a disciple as well, along with two other cousins that Eileen reached out to. September of the first year I was a Christian, I reached out to my other childhood best friend, Bobby Ritter. He was, for me, one of my biggest boldness prayers on my list. He, he was set up, to, he was the vice president of his fraternity. He lived an incredibly wild life. He was the smartest guy that I knew, uh, going to Stevens Institute of Technology uh, for engineering management. And just, just for me, was far-fetched of how is this guy going to become a Christian? But I asked him to meet up with me and, and to study the Bible with me and for me to share some things with him. And it was such a miracle to see him baptized within that first year that I became a disciple as well. Soon afterwards, a couple of years later, his mom also became a disciple. And he married Hannah, who was part of the youth group that I had grown up going to. So cool to see how God worked. And along with Vince was three other guys from campus that God helped me to reach out to that first year that I was a Christian. What an amazing thing to see God answer our bold prayers as we decide to act boldly as well. You know, now it's just amazing for me to look at what God's done as John Rodeo, who reached out to me, is now the, the region leader for our Long Island region. And Bobby Ritter was just hired for our church office to, to be on the administrative staff there. And I just feel like what answered prayers from God as I prayed boldly and acted boldly. And I share all this to say that there is literally nothing special about me except believing that God is with me and that as I pray boldly and act boldly, God's going to do something. And so I hope you can leave here this morning believing the same thing, believing that God is with you. And as you pray boldly and you act boldly, that God can use you as well. You know, God is doing amazing things through the campus ministry. And a lot of it is bold prayers and bold actions. You know, in New Jersey, we have two amazing young men uh, and an amazing young man and woman, Matt Rupert and Shauna Gill. This semester, they both set a goal to share with a thousand people in three days and hit that goal. A thousand seeds planted in three days. My wife Chelsea got on campus with our two kids and shared her faith with over 200 people in one day this September. You know, I set a goal for my first week and I was 25 people short on my way to all New York Devo on Friday night. I had 20 minutes to spare on my GPS and so I drove over to NYU, got out and shared my faith with another 25 people and met some open people over there. You know, J.D. Brown, you guys know him? J.D. Brown, this guy, he is doing bold things for God. He was in the student center at MSU and there was a fire drill. And the whole building had to go out onto campus, right? A couple 150 people standing out there. And J.D. said, what an opportunity for God. 
shaken in his boots. He blew his fingers as a whistle. And he shared his faith with all the people that were gathered outside right there and invited all of them to Bible talk. That's your boy right there. Really, it's your boy. Bold things. You know, Matt Rupert was down in Newark and there was a street fair going on. Tons of people for a street fair. And he thought, you know what? This is an opportunity for God. He went up to the DJ and said, hey, we have church right down the street. Would you mind if I just took the mic for a second and invited everybody? And so Matt Rupert takes the mic. He invites through the speakers this whole street fair. And a woman comes out to church that next Sunday. You know, these are boldness with the big things, but we could have boldness with the one-on-one as well. When you're in line at the grocery store, when you're sitting at Starbucks, we could have boldness that God is with us and God wants to do something. We could be bold on the mission because God's Spirit is ready and moving and asking us to move with Him. Now, as I close this morning, I want to ask, what is one bold prayer that you could start praying And then what is one bold action that you could take this week to give God an opportunity to answer that prayer? And what is an obstacle in your life right now that's going to take some boldness to overcome? I hope you could leave this morning inspired by the story in Exodus, inspired by the disciples, and inspired by some of the other things that I share. Really believing that God is with you to do something incredible. And so let's leave here this morning believing God is with you before you, behind you, and within you, and that that will help you to have the boldness to move on from the obstacles and to move on to the victory. It was great being here with you guys. Thank you so much. Amen. You just listened to the Westchester Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit westchester.nycococ.net.